to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. Veritas is the college ministry of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. Our greatest hope is to see more and more college students believe that Jesus is more. To get connected, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So, uh, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys out there are Shark Tank fans? Any Shark Tank fans? All right, that's more than I expected. I wasn't quite sure. Uh, So I'm a huge Shark Tank fan. It's one of my favorite shows that my wife and I love to watch together. And I've been watching, I mean, I've watched so much Shark Tank that uh, I can tell you the exact moment that a pitch goes sideways. And I've seen a lot of of pitches go wrong. If you've never watched a show before, just, just a quick thing, here's how it actually works. Entrepreneurs come onto the show and they pitch their business to super rich investors like Mark Cuban, Lori Grenier, Charles Barkley, all sorts of different figures. And if the sharks like it, they'll, they'll make them an offer. They'll make them a deal. And uh, that's where things kind of go from, from there. Uh, it's just a fun experience in the back right now. Uh, we're, uh, so, so one of my favorite things, though, is to think about the favorite pitches that I've seen happen over the years, or perhaps the worst pitches. So I just want to show you a few of them. Um, let's say that you have a bird feeder. You're a great bird lover, uh, but you've got one problem. Uh, your bird feeder is being raided by squirrels all the time. If that's the case, then the squirrel boss, you got a picture? Now, the squirrel boss is just for you. It's the only squirrel electrocutor on the market. You get a little clicker, and if you see a squirrel on your bird feeder, you just zap it, okay? So uh, any sociopaths out there who want to buy this? Uh, that guy didn't get a deal. Or, okay, let's say that's not your thing. Let's say that uh, maybe you're a middle-aged woman looking to attract some young men here at the fall retreat. If that's the case, I got the thing for you. It's called Cougar Energy Drink. That's right, the only energy drink that promises to make middle-aged women younger. A cougar a day keeps similar-aged men away. Uh, now, let's just say that's not for you. Let's say that you share Michael Scott's greatest dream. Let's just watch this clip together breakfast in bed. I like waking up to the smell of bacon. Sue me. And since I don't have a butler, I have to do it myself. So most nights before I go to bed, I will lay six strips of bacon out on my George Foreman grill. Then I go to sleep. When I wake up, I plug in the grill. I go back to sleep again. Then I wake up to the smell of crackling bacon. It is delicious. It's good for me. It's a perfect way to start the day. Today, I got up, I stepped onto the grill, and I clamped down on my foot. That's it. I don't see what's so hard to believe about that. It's one of my favorite office clips right there. Uh, But let's say that's you. Well, guess what? There is something on the market just for you. It's called the Waken Bacon. There you go. The only bacon cooking alarm clock on the market. Don't ask me how it keeps your raw bacon safe overnight. It doesn't matter. You get to wake up to bacon. It's great stuff. Now, like I said, I've watched a lot of Shark Tank, so, so I know when pitches go bad. And do you want to know the worst, the very worst thing you can say on Shark Tank? Here's the worst thing you can say on Shark Tank. I won't quit my day job. 
I won't quit my day job. See, a lot of these entrepreneurs, they started their businesses as side hustles. You know, they're doing it at night, they're doing it over the weekend, but they've got a day job. And so they're ordinary people. They've got to pay off mortgages. They've got to pay off school loans. They've got families to feed. And so the sharks, they'll say, look, if I'm going to invest all my money, all this money into your company, I want to know that you're going to be full-time working on it yourself. I want to make sure I'm not going to be the one who has to do all the work. It's a pretty fair thing to ask. Are you going to quit your day job? But it's incredibly risky. I mean, you have to imagine. I mean, these people go all in, take the risk. Yeah, they get to partner with the shark. But on the flip side of that, what if it doesn't go well? What if they quit a well-paying day job and their family's left on the line? It's a really hard question to answer. Will you quit your day job? Uh, We've been looking at the book of Ruth. And on the first night, we looked at how our experiences shape our view of God. And then this morning, we looked at how God whispers to us through the sacrificial love of others. And I hope what you're seeing is that, is, is that God loves you, God cherishes you, and he wants you to know that. He's revealed himself to you. He wants you to feel that and experience that inside of your heart. I, I hope you're seeing that. But here's the deal. If we put a period at the end of that sentence, if we just say, hey, God's revealed himself to you and he loves you, period, we miss out on the best part. You see, God doesn't just shape us passively. It's not just things that he's doing to us. God shapes us by how we live, by how we respond. You see, on the one hand, God, he's, he's not a shark, right? He doesn't demand that you do something before he invests in your life. God invests in our lives before we do anything at all, before we do anything else, And in you guys, everybody in this room, God has already invested his spiritual power into your life before you did anything. God has already invested his spiritual power into this community before you did anything, before we did anything. God's not a shark. He doesn't say, do this, then I'll give you this. He just gives it to you. But here's the deal. God doesn't just love you and reveal himself to you for no reason. God loves you and reveals himself to you for a purpose, He wants to partner with you. He wants to do something big with you, alongside you, through you. And so, while I don't think God makes demands before he makes an investment, I think once he makes the investment, once he's given himself to you, he wants to ask you the exact same question that every shark would. Are you gonna quit your day job? Are you gonna risk going all in with me? Or are you gonna keep your day job? And God's question is actually a lot riskier. It's a lot riskier than what the sharks are asking these entrepreneurs to do, isn't it? Because God's not asking us just to risk our financial welfare. God's asking us to risk our lives. He's asking us to risk our lives, our our, our loyalties, our choices, our, our values, our friendships, our future. God's calling us to risk all of those things, isn't he? God's calling us to risk all those things, but he's, he wants to partner with us. He wants to, he, he, he's already invested. He wants to partner with us now. But he says, are you gonna keep your day job? You're gonna have to quit your day job. You're gonna have to leave behind the pride, the being the king or the queen of your own life, calling the shots. You're gonna have to leave all of that behind. You have to quit the day job. Jesus said in Mark 8, 34, whoever, whoever wants to be my follower, whoever wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves and take up their cross. A cross was a death instrument, right? They must deny themselves and take up their cross. It is a no-holds-bar call to take risks for God. To risk looking weird for God. To risk sharing 
Jesus, to, to risk your future, not living for your future, to risk what your family thinks about you, to risk what your friends think about you, to risk pressing pause on the constant busyness and involvement, to risk uh, pressing pause on the Netflix and the entertainment, to risk prioritizing God in your life. God is calling us to some tremendous risk. Whoever wants to be my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross. If Jesus came in here tonight and he sat down with you one-on-one and he said that to you, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, what would you say? How are you doing? It's a hard question, isn't it? It's a really hard question. It's a hard question for me because on the one hand, I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes, Jesus. I, I do want to risk everything. I do want to go all in with you. I, I, I want to do that. But then when the moment comes, when the moment to take the risk comes, I fold. I fold into fear and anxiety. What if I told you the greatest threat, at least what I think is probably the greatest threat to God's mission and purpose in your life, in your heart, the the greatest threat to God's mission and purpose at Mizzou and on campus. It's not the world, it's not the things out there. You know what the greatest threat is? Followers of Jesus who are afraid to follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus who are afraid to follow Jesus. And the truth is, I want to risk with Jesus, but (laughs) the moment comes and I'm fearful and I find myself becoming a follower of Jesus who's afraid to follow Jesus. I know I'm not alone right now. There was a student involved with Veritas years ago. His name was Jeremy. And Jeremy uh, had a history with, with, with drugs and alcohol abuse. Uh, but he started coming to Veritas and he risked getting rid of those things, saying no to those things in his life because he wanted Jesus to do something big in his life, big in other people's lives. He risked saying no to that. And it wasn't a perfect thing. You know, it was a two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. He was never uh, perfect. Uh, But over time, you know, he was growing. He was maturing. It was amazing to watch. And and Jeremy, he was a charismatic guy. He was the kind of guy that people wanted to follow, wanted to hang out with, wanted to to be around. And by the time he's a junior, I mean, he's one of those people who was just super connected and involved in different Christian communities. He's, he's leading small groups. He's changing people's lives. It's really exciting. And finally, his senior year rolls around. And by the time he graduates, he's not a Christian. What happened? It wasn't drugs and alcohol. It wasn't the, the college lifestyle. Do you wanna know what he was afraid to risk? His reputation. You see, his senior year, he, he started hanging out with this crowd of like kind of really cool downtown artsy type people, and, and he loved hanging out with them. And again, he thought they were really cool. And the thing is, though, being a Christian means that you're going to live in a certain way and have certain sets of values that aren't going to fit in with that crew. And he wasn't okay living in the tension. He, he, he couldn't risk his reputation. He couldn't risk them seeing him as some sort of, you know, backwards Christian or whatever it was. He just couldn't risk it. And so finally he said... Sorry, Jesus, thanks, but no thanks. He was a follower of Jesus who was afraid to follow Jesus, and it cost him everything. If I told you five years from now that you wouldn't be following Jesus, do you know 
Why? Like, do you know the thing that you, you wouldn't be willing to risk if it came down to it? Like, if it was, I gotta pick Jesus or I gotta pick this, ultimately I'm, I'm gonna pick this because I can't risk this to have Jesus. If I told you you weren't gonna be a Christian in five years, would you know why? Do you know what that thing is that you don't wanna risk? See, I think that thing's in there in a lot of our hearts. I know it's in my heart. It's something we have to think through. And it makes me ask a question. Here's the question that I know I desperately need the answer to. How can I be set free from fear? How can I stop being so afraid in my life to actually follow Jesus? How can I become a Christian who's not afraid to follow Jesus? How how can that happen? How can an ordinary guy like me who wants to live a comfortable life, who doesn't want to look weird, how? How can I be set free from that fear to follow Jesus without fear, to be a follower of Jesus who's not afraid to follow Jesus? I think Ruth 3 has the answer to that question. And I say it because in this chapter, it is just shot through with risk. Whether or not you're aware of it as you're reading it, every character, character after character after character, is taking a risk. And these characters, they are setting everything on the line again and again and again. And of course, the question is how? How did they do this? Because they're not superhuman people. They're not any different than us. These aren't like, you know, super non-risk averse people. That's not what's going on. Something else is happening. I think that something has captivated their heart. Something has changed their view of God so deep down that somehow, some way, they've been set free from fear so they can take risks for God. So we're gonna hop into Ruth 3 and we're gonna read through that chapter and I'm just gonna highlight for you all the ways that they're taking risks in this story. So Ruth chapter three, verse one. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, whose woman you have worked with, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed into your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know that you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. So up until now, Naomi has been a passive character in this story, right? Things are just constantly happening to her. But right now, in this moment, Naomi finally activates. And she's taking a risk. She's taking a risk to try to come up with a plan to make sure that Ruth is provided for. Now, I realize it might not sound very risky to to like make up a plan and then tell someone else to go do it. But it's actually incredibly risky. Because here's the deal. Oftentimes, the first risk God calls us to in following him It might look really small to the world, but it's not small to us. It's not small to us, and this isn't small to Naomi. So Naomi, she comes up with this plan, and here's her plan. She's going to get Ruth to go and propose marriage to Boaz. Now, you gotta keep in mind, because in this world, uh, arranged marriages were the norm, right? But but Ruth has no one to help her arrange a marriage. And and so uh, a man asking a woman to marry her, that would have been strange in their culture. Usually it was arranged. But for a woman to go and propose to a man, this is very strange, very out of the ordinary, very risky. Let's see what Ruth does. Verse five. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. 
Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. So what's Ruth do? She actually does it. There's a lot of people in this room who are afraid to ask someone out on a date, and Ruth walks down to this guy and she proposes marriage with nothing before it. She just says, marry me, right? And it's easy for us to think that like there's something romantic happening here. You know, like Ruth's really been attracted to Boaz and there's some sort of chemistry or tension. No, 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 no. That's not what's happened in this story. That's not what's happened at all. In fact, I highly doubt she was super attracted to him. He was much older than her. That's not what's happening here. This is a very counter, at least to our culture, a very countercultural story because here's what's happening. Ruth is setting down her own self-interest, her own self-expression. Why? Because she wants to take care of Naomi. She knows that if I don't get married, if I'm not incorporated into a father's house, then both of us are gonna be in trouble. And precisely because she loves Ruth, she says, I'll set aside my own self-interest. I'll set aside my own desires. I'll risk losing those things. That's something in our culture we can't even imagine risking or losing, but I will risk losing those things. Let's keep reading. How does Boaz respond? The Lord bless you, my daughter, he said. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. The kindness is to to, to Naomi. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. And although it's true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Again, now it's Boaz's turn to take the risks. The first thing we see here is that Boaz, he doesn't take advantage of Ruth, right? He doesn't see her situation, her neediness, and take advantage of her sexually. He actually honors her sexual dignity. He doesn't try to sidle up next to her. He doesn't try to use the situation. He doesn't do anything like that at all. He protects her sexual dignity. He protects her chastity. The second thing that we see in this story is that Boaz is risking his life. Like, wait a second. I don't see the guy risking his life. Where is he risking his life? Well, just remember for a second, right? This is in a world of food scarcity. This is in a world of food scarcity. So bringing in two women into your household might mean going hungry. We barely got enough food to feed us, but he's saying, I'll bring them both in. And one of them presumably isn't even able to help with the harvest. But Boaz says, I'm going to risk my future. I'm going to risk my future welfare, my family's welfare. I'm gonna risk it all. I'm gonna risk it all. You see what's happening in the story, right? Every character is taking risk after risk after risk. They are risking their lives, their, their values, their desires, their self-interest, their self-expression, their, their welfare, their future. They're risking everything. How? How do they do it? Well, I think they're risking it all for God. Do you want to know why I think they're risking it all for God? Because if you put Ruth chapter 3 side by side with the Old Testament's law, you'll realize that each character is line by line following God's laws. They're doing exactly what God tells them to do, how to care for each other, how people should treat each other. They're willing to risk setting all those things aside to trust God with their life. But again, how? How did they get the strength to actually do that? 
the answer is very subtle. It's easy to miss, um, but it comes in a little phrase that the narrator has Ruth speak. So check this out. This is what Ruth says in chapter three to Boaz. She says, spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, what it literally says in Hebrew, what it literally says in Hebrew is spread your wings, spread your wings over me for you are a redeemer of our family. Spread your wings over me for you are a redeemer of our family. Now that word wings, it's kind of like a hyperlink and it takes you to all these different texts throughout the Bible. And the first one it takes you to is actually in Ruth chapter two, verse 20. And this time it's Boaz speaking to Ruth. Check out what Boaz says to Ruth. May you, Ruth, be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Are you seeing the big picture here? Uh, Naomi, I mean Ruth, she knows that she is under God's loving wing. She knows that she's under God's protective wing. That's what Boaz said. And as a result, because she knows that she's under his wing, she can ask Boaz. She can take the risk to ask Boaz if he'll put her under his wing. In Exodus 19.4, God summarizes what he's done for Israel. And he says this. He says, you yourselves know what I have done to the Egyptians, how I bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Ruth gets it. She gets that God has been there. He's borne her up on eagles' wings. He's brought her to himself. She knows that God's protective wings are over here. And precisely because she knows that his wings are over her, she's set free from fear. She's set free to, to take risks. She's set free to ask Boaz to put her under his wings. There's a different student involved with Veritas. Her name was Sarah. And if you met Sarah, I, I don't know if she would have made a giant impression, to be honest with you. She was a pretty quiet person. Uh, by all accounts, a pretty timid person. Definitely not a risk-taking type. But Sarah was highly intelligent. She was sharp. She was funny. I mean, she, 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 she had a lot of good things going for her. Uh, but her senior year rolls around. She's graduating, trying to figure out what am I going to do after college and she feels as though God's putting a calling on her heart, that God wants her to go to start a new campus ministry at this big state school, which at the time didn't actually have a campus ministry. And so as a result of feeling that call, she calls her parents. She says, hey, guys, I think I'm being called to go start a campus ministry. And her parents just flat out say, no, nope. And so she waits a little bit. She calls back and she says, guys, I, I really feel like I'm being called to do this. And her parents say, we don't even want to talk about this. You're being silly. You're too smart. You've got too much in front of you. Don't waste your time on this. So she waits and she calls back a third time. And this time they're angry and they say, we don't understand how someone as intelligent as you could waste their intelligence on something as stupid as this. And they hang up the phone and she takes the risk of going for it anyway, of risking her parents' disapproval. And she goes and she starts this campus ministry with a group of people. And as a result, hundreds of lives are changed. Hundreds of lives are transformed at this state school because she took a risk. Now, here's the thing. She wasn't a risk taker, right? We're talking about someone who's pretty quiet, pretty timid, someone you wouldn't expect to actually go and take a risk. So how did she do it? How did she get the strength to do it? I want to know, because that's what I want. I want the strength to take risks for Jesus. As the worship team comes back up, I, I want to tell you how she answered that question. 
She said this. She said, I knew, I knew that even if I lost my family's love, I could never lose the love of Jesus. She knew that she was under Christ's wing. She knew that Jesus' wing was over her, and because his wing was over her, protecting her and loving her, she was set free to take risks. We will never be set free to take risks in our lives until that reality, the reality of Jesus' love, sets us free. And do you want to know how it sets us free? It sets us free because we realize this fundamental truth. Jesus risked. Jesus risked everything to love us. Are you afraid of being uncomfortable? I don't want to risk being uncomfortable. Just remember, Jesus risked leaving the comfort of heaven to come down and claim you. Are you afraid right now that you might be made fun of? Remember that Jesus was mocked. He risked being mocked and betrayed so that he could make you new. Are you afraid right now that you're gonna be left out? Just remember that Jesus risked losing his closest friends, them denying him, running away from him, having his family call him crazy. He risked all of that so that you would never be left out of his love. Are you afraid of losing a relationship? Jesus lost his relationship with his heavenly father so that he could have an eternal relationship with you. Are you afraid right now of setting down your desires and your self-expression? Just remember that Jesus set down a heavenly crown and a heavenly throne to take on a crown of thorns and a cross so that he could express his love for you. Are you afraid right now of giving Jesus your life, of giving Jesus your future? Just remember, Jesus laid down his life to give you a future. Do you wanna know what set Ruth free to take risks? She knew she was under God's wings. Do you wanna know what set Sarah free to take risks? She knew that she was under God's wings. Do you wanna know what's gonna set you free in your life to take risks that Jesus is calling you to take? It's knowing that you are under his loving, protective wings and he has risked everything. He has spared no expense to love you and to claim you and to bring you to himself. So are you gonna keep your day job when you go back to Mizzou? Or is this gonna be the night that you look back and you say, that's the night that I stopped being a follower of Jesus who was afraid to follow Jesus. If all of our hearts were captivated by his risk-taking love, if all of our hearts were captivated by that love, not only would every heart in this room change, mine included, Mizzou would change. God would do amazing things through you. Apostle Paul said, for freedom you have been set free. Stand firm. Don't put a yoke of slavery back on yourself. Jesus is asking you today, will you quit your day job? Will you risk going all in with me? I've risked everything for you. I want to, I've invested in you. I want to do something big with you and through you. I want to be with you. Will, you. will you take that risk with me? Let's pray. Jesus, I want to be the first person to confess that in more ways than I wish, I don't take risks. I'm afraid to take risks. I love my comfort. I don't want to look weird. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to lose relationships. And yet, and yet, and yet, I know that you have risked far more than that and that your love is far more satisfying, that you are worth it no matter what the calling is. Jesus, I pray that you would help us be captivated by your sacrificial love for us so that we would be set free to take risks 
to quit our day jobs, to let go of the pride and the selfishness and everything else, when we go back, Jesus, we give our hearts to you. It's your name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the Veritas Mizzou podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, please be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps other people find our content so that they can be encouraged too. Most importantly, to get connected to Veritas, check out our weekly meeting on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. on Mizzou's campus. For specific details about where we meet, how to join a small group, or more information about Veritas, visit us online at veritasmizzou.com. To stay in the loop with what we're up to, follow Veritas Mizzou on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening.